So praise the Lord if we turn please to uh, Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. We'll be looking at quite a bit of scripture. Some of which I might just manage to quote to you and others I may ask you to, to refer to so that you can see it in the word of God for yourself. So Ezekiel 37, a very familiar passage and a passage that um, very much during the setting up of the United Kingdom as a union of crowns and indeed a union of parliaments, um, was, this was referred to by many who advocated the union, and indeed I believe by uh, James I, the, sorry, the sixth and first himself, in the union of, of Jacob, the union of Jacobus, um, and some people just used this as an allegory for the union of Scotland and England, but uh, we have a deeper understanding, and I'm quite sure that some of the people who mentioned this passage at the time had that understanding. So it's Ezekiel chapter 37, and it's beginning at verse uh, 21. And the heading that I have for this section of my Bible is, Two kingdoms become one. So beginning at verse 21, it says, And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whither they be gone, and will gather them on every side, and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land, upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king to them all. And they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. Okay? But let's go back a bit. I want to read this to you. This is important that we read this from verse uh, 15. Verse 15. We live today, before I just read this, we live today in a united kingdom, which is one kingdom, one nation, and one people. Amen? And we praise God for that. But look what it says here, because the last time we was here, I mentioned that it, it was a, a matter of, of, it was grievous to me at times, how when we speak about uh, the lost tribes, we, we refer to the lost ten tribes in relation to, to Britain, but we leave out the fact, the historical fact, and the very deep spiritual truth, which we're going to look at today, that there are a, a very strong element of Judah also in these British Isles. And unless we understand the Judahite dimension of our Israelitish heritage, we will miss so much that God has, not only for us as a, as a people, but for the nations and for the plan and purpose of God in the last days that we live in. So, verse 15, The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Moreover, thou son of man, Take thee one stick, and write upon it for Judah, and for the children of Israel his companions. Then take another stick, and write upon it for Joseph the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel his companions. And join them one to another. 
into one stick, and they shall become one in thine hand. And when the children of thy people shall speak unto thee, saying, what, Wilt thou not show us what thou meanest by these? Say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel his fellows, and will put them with him, even with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they shall be one in mine hand. And the sticks whereof, sorry, the sticks whereon thou writest shall be in thine hand before their eyes. Now it's so important to understand what God is saying here. And many people have interpreted this, and, and B.I. have interpreted this as being the joining together of the, of the union of the United Kingdom. And when you consider, as we looked at last time, Judah being uh, representative of Scotland as a country and Ephraim or Israel of England as a country, then we see the joining together. And this has been interpreted allegorically by those who don't know the Israel message and literally by those who do as being the union of Jacob. That the union of crowns that then became the act of union in 1701. And John Mortimer, who sadly can't be with us today, he wrote an excellent uh, little uh, treatise on this, on how the union came about and how it was very much driven by the godly men of Scotland, men like John Knox and the Covenanters, who had a fervent vision of a united kingdom that came to pass obviously after their time. Um, or particularly the Covenanters, they saw the union of crowns. So there it is, the union. But you see, we, we look at this nationally and some of us may interpret it in a political way, oh well, the two parliaments became one, the act of union, and, and it's about nations, and it's about kingdoms. But I want to put it to you today, based on something I shared last time, that it goes deeper even than that. It actually, when, when God says, I will make them one, that he, he literally meant that, and we're going to look at how he meant that, because it's so important to Scotland and understanding Scotland's purpose, Scotland's destiny in the earth. Scotland is the land of destiny. When we understand, and a little bit of background again, just to very quickly explain it, uh, as I did the last time, that when you consider that in Ireland, the Milesians were descendants of Zara, and then Jeremiah brought over uh, Tiatefe, and she married the Herman, and then they had issue from that, and then there became uh, descendants who combined the Zara and Fares elements of Judah and were true Judites in Ireland. And then, of course, what happened was that they then migrated to the, the Dalriadic coastlands and the north of Scotland and became the royal race of Scots. And there's a, a couple of excellent articles uh, in the Ensign message, you can read about that, about how all the Scottish tribes were descendants. They were, they were the royal race of Scots and they, were, they had Davidic 
ancestry. I'm going to put it in such a way to you to bring it up to date. They had Davidic DNA and genetics. That's so important. They were descendants of King David. And they were Judites, obviously, because David was of the Pharaoh's line of Judah. But they, they had the Zara element as well. And this was, and we'll go into how that matters, and then what subsequently happened. But this was a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And it's one of the most astonishing things, uh, I believe, in God's word, particularly in relation to Scotland and in relation to uh, the purpose of God for the last ages, or the, the last days, should I say. But let us to understand it, let's go to Genesis chapter 22. It's so important to see this. Genesis 22, and this forms part of the Abrahamic covenant. And the Abrahamic covenant's relation to us as Israelite peoples is massive, central, and, and it's all that we're about. Isaiah chapter 51, look to the hole from which you're dug. Look to Abraham, look to Sarah. You who pursue righteousness. And if you're here today, you're pursuing righteousness. And the Lord's saying to us, we need to go back to origins. Origins are so important. Because identity is destiny. And identity teaches us our destiny. And our destiny is in the purpose and plan and will of God. For the, for the nations and for the ages. And for eternity. So these are not trifling matters. They're not side matters. We're not doing uh, a lecture today on the plants and animals of the Bible or, you know, interesting fact. But this is absolutely fundamental and so relevant to that that we're facing out there. Because, as I said, it's all about DNA and genetics. It's all about a divine seed in the earth. And that goes back to, Gen to, to Genesis chapter 3. The seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. But let's look at Genesis 22 and it's God speaking here to Abraham who of course has offered up Isaac. And, and a lot of stuff is spoken about that from a, a, I would say a religious point of view. There is no relevance to spiritual reality because Abraham understood being a man of the Middle East at that time, and certainly being in the lineage that he was, he understood covenant, and that God was a covenant God. And he understood that God could not ask, because of the nature of the covenants, blood covenants that men made, God would not ask him for something that he was not prepared to give. So when God asked Abraham for his son, Abraham knew as a covenant man, God must have a son. And that's why he said God will provide himself. And Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and was glad. Because Abraham understood if God's asking me to give him my son, he must have a son. And that's where the Bible says that God preached the gospel to Abraham. How did Abraham know the gospel? He understood it by covenant. So Abraham offers up Isaac by type, by figure. 
not by actuality. Because Isaac's sacrifice, Isaac's blood could not redeem him. So it says here, uh, sorry, Genesis chapter 22 and verse 16, it says, this is the Lord speaking or through the angel of the Lord. He says, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed. Underline those verses if you write in your Bibles, if not, memorize it. I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. In other words, uncountable. Who can count the stars in the sky? Who can count the pebbles up there, grains of sand? You maybe get up to a few dozen and then you just... I'll multiply it like that. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because thou hast obeyed my voice. So God promised Abraham the multiplication of his seed. That was the, one of the, the fundamental aspects of the Abrahamic blessing of covenant. I will multiply your seed. You want a son? That's your heart's desire. That's too small. I will make your descendants uncountable. And of course that then passed down to Abraham, sorry, from Abraham to Isaac and Jacob, so that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And the Bible calls Abraham, Isaac and Jacob the patriarchs, the fathers. It does also refer to the heads of the 12 tribes at some stage as patriarchs as well. But here's what's very important that we need to understand. That in the book of Acts, David is referred to as a patriarch. And the patriarchal level is, is Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the 12 leaders of the tribes. 12 sons of Jacob. So how can David then be a patriarch? Because God, well, let's just read the next part, sorry, before we get too far ahead. Jeremiah chapter 33. This man, this boy David, is, there's something about David, and we need to understand this, is that the perfect plan of God was that he would be Yahweh, Jehovah, the Lord, the Father God, would be the king of Israel. But they wanted a human king. They wanted a, 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 a physical king they could see. And eventually, of course, as we know, that broke Samuel's heart, but God says, we'll give them a king. So it was, we could call it plan B. But God had always purposed this. And of course, there were... There were People that you would say in the natural, oh, it's David's brothers in particular. Strapping young men. And of course, we had the Saul episode. Um, and Saul messed up. But God saw something in this shepherd boy, David, that just touched his heart. And David wanted to build a house for 
the Lord. And the Lord says, you're not going to build a house for me. I'm going to build a house for you. Let's get this in divine order. There's something about David. And what's so important about David is so vital for us today in understanding in Scotland, in Scotland in particular, and as Scots in particular, our Israelitish heritage. And I am including honorary Scots, Tom. <laughs> uh, sorry, Jeremiah chapter 33. And um, verse 17. Now watch this. Well, thus saith the Lord, David shall never want a man to sit upon the throne of the house of Israel. Neither shall the priests, the Levites, want a man before me to offer burnt offerings and to kindle meat offerings and to do sacrifice continually. And the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, If ye can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, and that there should, be not, should not be day and night in their season, then me also my covenant. Again, it's all about covenant. Be broken with David my servant. That he should not have a son, a, sorry, a son to reign upon his throne. And with the Levites, the priests, my ministers. But look at this next verse. And understand that this is the key to understanding the plan and purpose of God for Scotland. And Scotland's destiny in the earth and among the nations. This is, this verse here, as the host of heaven cannot be numbered, which is talking about the stars, the galaxies, the billions of stars, neither the sand of the sea measured, so will I multiply the seed of David, my servant, and the Levites that minister unto me. Now, of course, the Levites were those who were, we would call them, the, the, the Levites handled both the spiritual worship of Israel and indeed the civil service. They ran civil things in Israel. So, uh, they were the, 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 the priestly class, but they weren't all just priests in the worship of the temple. They, they also they fulfilled, we would call them today the civil service. And God said, I'll multiply them too. But notice that he gives David the same promise that he gives to Abraham. Multiplied, uncountable seed. Along the same measurements. The host of the heavens, the stars, and the sand of the sea. How could God fulfill this promise to David? Let me ask you. One way would be to make David's seed a massive house within the Israel body. In other words, virtually raise up another tribe. But God didn't choose that way. Another would be to sprinkle or commingle David's seed through the Israel people. And this second option is apparently the method that God has favored. Like I said, the highlands and the Dalriada coast were peopled by wanderers from, uh, from Ireland, from Ulster, who came over and settled and became what we would call the Scottish clans. And they were called the Royal Race of Scots. But over time what happened was that, and, and so the north of Scotland was peopled by Judite people. 
And the lowland Scots were Israelites from the other tribes. So Scotland was uh, very much split in half. And of course, the England and, and, and uh, part of the island was Israelite. So here in the Isles, we had both Judites and Israelites as we had back in ancient Israel. And it's not just that these people in the north were Judites, they were of Davidic seed. They were a royal race, not just Judites, but they were Davidic peoples. They had Davidic DNA and Davidic bloodline and genetics. And I'm using that, those terms very purposely because where we're going with this. And what happened was, and, and what, what, one of the, the things that sparked this, and, and, and then as I studied it, was down in Orange Street, and I think I shared this the last time, Roger, who's the most English of Englishmen, and he spoke about having some ancestor who was Scottish, and he was joking, you know, some Scottish ancestry, all that, very grudgingly admitting. And it just, a light bulb went on, because when, and when you can do this anecdotally, if you speak to English people, you will find that every English person has somewhere in their ancestry, Scots or Irish, i.e. Judai, ancestry. So this co-mingling of the seed, co-mingling of Davidic Judahite peoples through intermarriage because the, the Highlanders didn't stay up north. They came down, didn't they? And they married lowland lassies and then they went into England and married some of the lassies down there. So what happened over, over time, and of course we're talking about, uh, you know, a, a, a well, we're certainly talking about 2,000 years for the British Isles, certainly about 1,500 years for Scotland itself. Over a period of time, the seed has so commingled, as I said, that, and anecdotally I'm speaking about, and, and, is that most of the English people today, and people throughout the British Isles, have that element, we would call it Celtic or, or Gaelic, wouldn't we? Somewhere in their ancestry, somewhere in their bloodline somewhere in their DNA and genetics. And by the way, if you study this out, doing DNA studies, and I believe Martin Lightfoot has done this, you will find that it's, it's provable by DNA that virtually every indigenous Briton in the island of the British Isles has this mixture, if you like, of DNA. All Israelite, but that co-mingling of Davidic DNA and genetics. Why would God do that? Why is it so important? Well, he has to fulfill this promise to David. We don't see the tribe of David. We see the house of David, but that's not the same thing as the tribe of David. And it's estimated, they don't really know how many Scots, and of course Irish, because the Scots came from Ireland, how many millions of them are in the earth? Well, we know that the, many of them are in America, Canada, 
Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. The, 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 any estimates between, certainly over 50 million is conservative. And some say way higher than that. Because God promised David, I will build you a house. And I will multiply your seed. But there's a reason for that. And we need to look at that reason. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 19. And God's dream and God's vision and God's purpose is already beginning to formulate as he takes the children of Israel out of Egypt and he begins to speak through, to and through his servant Moses. Last week from verse 3, Moses went up unto God and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, You've seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bare you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Now watch this. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. God is saying to Moses, My purpose in taking you out of Egypt and placing you in your own land is that you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. A set-apart nation for my purpose, my glory, my will. And then, of course, we have in 1 Peter chapter 2. Now, I understand that people interpret this in, in a spiritual way. And I'm not saying there isn't an application of that. I'm not saying there isn't. But I, I believe that, 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 that at the very least there's a dual application of this. And that I believe that we, we're looking at the other application. We're looking at it today, but I believe it's just as valid as the spiritual one. How many know, though, that not all who are of Abraham or of Israel are actually truly Israelites. A true Israelite is not someone who is the physical descendant of Abraham, but someone who is born again of the Spirit of God, uh, of Israelite race. Now watch this, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. Let's read from verse 6. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, wherefore all, sorry, whereunto also they were appointed. And, and there is a mention of this that he's speaking about the, the stone, the rock that followed them in the wilderness. He's speaking about the stone, which is the type of Christ, the stone of destiny, we would say. Which is that Bethel, the house of God, the portal to heavenly realms, that Jacob rested upon and said, I didn't know this, but I saw angels going up and down. This is a portal. This is the very house of God. 
And that stone was carried by the Israelites through the wilderness. And some believe, and I do, that that was the rock that Moses struck, which is the type of Christ. And look what he says in reference to it here. Verse 9, this is where I want to go. You are a, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. Now we've taken that spiritually, and there's a spiritual aspect. But I believe that it also has a physical, there's a physical dimension and reality to this. God wants in the earth a seed which is royal, which is a priesthood, which is holy, a Davidic seed. He chose David to be the progenitor, the patriarch of that race of people. And I believe that he said, when he said to David, I'll multiply your seed, he had commingling of seed in mind because he saw that the Davidic seed would eventually spread and be sown and dispersed among all Israelites, particularly here in Britain, and brothers and sisters, primarily here in Scotland. If you are descended from in particular the Scottish clans, they, then, then that, that Milesian blood, that Davidic blood, that Judai ancestry. And there's been that commingling. That seed has, has, has gone out with leaven, you could say, into the whole rump of Israel, particularly in these British Isles. Why? Because God wanted a royal priesthood, a kingdom of priests. He wanted that seed that Davidic seed. Remember that Jesus was the son of David. And I believe that God wanted a race, a royal race. And that seed has been commingled. Why is that so important? Well, I believe it's important when we look at what things are going on today, right now. And if you read, of course, Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, it says he's made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. Now, yes, there's a spiritual dimension to this. There's a dimension of that you enter into when you become born again, when you become a Christian. But there is indeed not just that aspect of grace, but that aspect of race. That God wants in the earth a people. And, and here's the thing as well, we say, well, what about the Jews? Now, there is no word. There is no word Jew in Hebrew or Greek. Neither is there a word Gentile. They are invented words because the word in Hebrew and the word in Greek means Judite. Jew is an invented word. But we understand what, what it's meant and we understand what Gentile means um, and, and so on. But here's what I want to show you as well which is so vital to this.
Fetch ton. To Revelation. Why is this so important to Scotland? Why are these things so vital for us to understand? Because of what's going on in the earth today. If you're, uh, like Revelation 18, sorry. If you look at, if, if you're aware, and I know many of you are, of what's going on in the earth with this business of vaccines, viruses, and so on. We're going to speak a little bit about the vaccine. And if you've been doing some study on it, you will realize that what people are saying about this vaccine, it may be a bit far-fetched. It may be a bit extreme. But you can see in what they're doing with the vaccine, you can see their intent. And we're told that this vaccine that, that they're planning to give, if not this one that they have right now from Pfizer, the euthanizer, but certainly coming down the line, coming down the pipe, in development or in preparation, there will be, and, and they're saying this one is, whether or not it is, it may just be a precursor or a sort of a first go at it or whatever. This vaccine they're talking about giving us will alter our DNA. It will alter our DNA and change our DNA forever. It will make us mutants. And not only is that mutation of our DNA going to affect us, it will affect any offspring we have, although some are saying it will sterilize people so that they can't have offspring. So that's why they, it's a means of euthanization, if you like, is that word. But remember when it, it was said, it will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, it will be just like it was in the days of Noah. When Jesus is set to come, the earth at that time will be as it was in the days of Noah. What was going on in Noah's day that God had to flood the earth? The answer is, they were messing with DNA and genetics. They were creating creatures that were no longer human. Man, human, and the word, the word human means God-man or man made like God. Human man, Adamic man, is made in the image and likeness of God. Only a man, and of course I'm not speaking about masculine, I'm talking about the human race, can be redeemed. God can't redeem cats and dogs and birds and, and, and elephants. And he cannot redeem something that's not made in his image, in his likeness. And so we're told by those in the know, including a lot of whistleblowers, that this vaccine and their desperate, desperate attempt 
to get this vaccine into you is to alter your DNA. Maybe not this first one, because I thought we're giving you multiple shots of this, but eventually it will, it will alter your DNA to the point where it's no longer what it is right now. And you will then, and this is the whole point of transhumanism. You've heard the term transhuman. is to alter your DNA to the point that you're no longer recognisably human and therefore are irredeemable. And that's why they want to get the vaccine into you for that very purpose. Why is that important? What's that got to do with Scotland? Everything. Because God went to great lengths to get the people of Scotland and indeed the whole of the British Isles, the Israelite peoples, and those, not, the, not just those in these lands, but those that went across to the other Israelite lands of Canada, Australia, New Zealand, America, to spread his royal seed that through, the, through David, through that commingling of seed, so that all the Israelite people would be a royal priesthood and a holy nation through time. Through the sowing of divine seed. And of course, that, that these people in these lands would be a Christian people. So that, if you like, you want to call it that, the enhancement would be regeneration of the human spirit. New birth in Christ. The infilling of the Holy Ghost. And a set apart holy people. A Christian people. Christian nations. Christian peoples in the earth, spreading the gospel, taking dominion over the nations, as indeed Britain did in days of empire, as indeed even America has. And of course, a lot of that has been challenged and contested, and the devil has. But you see, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the, the days of the coming of the Son of Man, that Satan's attempt, Satan hates God's seed. He hates the seed. Spiritually speaking, those that are born again, born of the Spirit, born of the Word, he hates that seed. We know that. That's why he persecutes Christians. But you know that he persecutes us. As Britons. Amen? As Israelite people. Because he hates that seed. The seed of God. He hates the physical seed and he hates the spiritual seed. And he as a, the great counterfeiter and liar seeks to make hybrids because he knows if they receive hybrid DNA if I can mutate them the Hebrew word is shanan it means mutants if I can mutate them into something that God has not designed but not created and I make them transhuman then they can't be redeemed there's a Hebrew word one of the Hebrew words for redeemed, and in fact it's also used of redeemer, as the Lord, our redeemer. And the Hebrew word is gale. It's gale. And we're talking here, when we're talking about Scots, we're talking about, well, gales or Celts, aren't we? Satan hates the redeemed. He hates the gale of God. And he hates the seed of God that is in us. And he hates that Davidic royal seed that is in the Scots. 
and the, the Judahite and Israelite people of God, the house of Israel and the house of Judah. See, it's not just becoming one nation, one kingdom. There's that aspect of becoming one people because God wanted the world priesthood in there. And I believe that that great process began in Scotland. That's why there was that migration from Ireland into Scotland. And, you know, we, we've had uh, the Scots, we have been programmed, we've been programmed to believe that we're just a wee backwater somewhere up here in the north of Scotland. But look at the promises of God to the people of God in the last days from Isaiah chapter 40 onwards. God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah to an Israelite people in the islands, the ends of the earth, the coastlands, the northwest, the people in biblical times understood by the term and the phrase the ends of the earth. It wasn't just the far-flung corners of anywhere. It meant that specific region. The Romans called it Ultima Thule, believed it was the holiest. And the further north you went in Britain, it became more holy and sacred. Even the Romans understood that. Scholars believe that Hadrian's Wall and Antonine's Wall wasn't built to keep people from coming south. It was built to keep people from coming north. That's a new revised version of history. Because the Romans believed Scotland's too sacred a place. It wasn't called Scotland then. Caledonia. There's something about Scotland in God's plan and purpose. And he's revealing more and more of that to us. I believe when David spoke, did you mention, I think you did the John McPhee people in, in the 20th century in the south side of Glasgow who had many revelations about Britain and its purpose in the earth and in particular Scotland. And Richard McPhee, John McPhee's brother, in 1920 gave a, a marvellous prophetic word about Scotland and Britain in these times, he prophesied about these times of Very interesting that he mentioned at the time that the Stone of Destiny would be in Scotland. Of course, a hundred years ago, if you'd suggested that, people would have thought you were crazy. But of course, it came to pass. God's purpose for Scotland, the Covenanters spoke about it. Richard Cameron said that out of Scotland would come such a move of God that would go all the way to Rome and burn the gates of Rome and others, it would destroy Babylon. That's our purpose, brothers and sisters. And that's why I believe this virus and the answer is not God's answer. It's the devil's answer. Because God hates the seed. And he wants to destroy it. And he wants to mutate people to the point they're no longer redeemable. They're no longer Gale. They're a hybrid race. What was going on back in the days of Noah? The days of the Nephilim. It wasn't just giants. What were they, what were they trying to do when the sons of God uh, married or had union with the, the daughters of men? They were trying to create a hybrid race, an enhanced race, enhanced humans, transhumans, superpowered humans. That's all we're reading about now. That's the offer that we're being given right now to have uh, something that will enhance you as a human. But 
the COVID won't touch you, won't kill you, won't harm you. Their vaccine. Revelation 18. Because this is what we're living in. This is what we're living in right now. Let's stop pretending that, well, this is just a wee dark time and we'll go over this and we'll go back to normal. We're not going back to normal, and nor should we. But I do believe God wants us to go forward to his purpose for Scotland, his purpose for, the, for Britain, for the whole of the British Isles. And I'm believing that the, the British Isles includes Southern Ireland coming back under the throne of David. True union. Not through the European Union. Not through a devilish union. Because God wants a royal priesthood and a holy nation. And here in the appointed place of the Isles. He is going to have it, brothers and sisters. But watch this. So important to, to tie what we're looking at. Uh, history and ancient things. Going way back into Bible times. Way back to Genesis. All the way up through to the, today. But look at the enemy's purpose today. Revelation 18, if we read, um, let's read from verse 21. A mighty angel took up a stone, like a great millstone, and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down, and shall be found no more at all. This, of course, is Revelation 18, and it, God is saying, Come out of my people, because plagues are coming. We heard that prophetic warning over the last few years. Remember in this place that prayer meetings we prayed just as we prayed for the, the independence, for that the union would prevail and prayed for the European Union to come out. God answered prayers in this very place. I believe that was so instrumental, those prayer meetings. To come out of Babylon, EU Babylon, because the plagues are coming and God will judge her. And with violence, that great city Babylon be thrown down. That's still God's purpose upon the Babylonian world order, the Leviathan system. And look what it says here. The voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. No craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee. The sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. You know, right now, we're, uh, you're not allowed to have weddings, to have uh, wedding receptions. You see, the problem is that, well, we're coming out of Babylon. Here in Scotland, the answer is not just that we come out of Babylon. Here in Britain, oh, it's come out of Babylon. I believe we will come out of Babylon. Kicking and squealing and screaming and wailing, some of us. But we're coming out. Amen? Because I believe God has answered that prayer. But the real issue with Babylon that we're discovering is not that we come out of Babylon, but that Babylon comes out of us. Because as you look around, you look along the M8 to that wretched, hellish, uh, despicable 
parliament. You, and, and, and that woman that heads up. And their game is not independence. That's how they get the votes. They're globalists, brothers and sisters. They're antichrist. That's their real game. As I most thought this is, and sad to say, you may not like it, so is Boris. So are so many of those. And thank, thank God there are, there are those in, 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 in our parliament in Westminster that are still, I believe, true patriots, if you like. But so many of them now, across the parties, are globalists because while we slept, the tears were sown in our parliaments and in our governments and in our councils and in our political parties. And it's time, as David prayed, that God pull down the wicked from power, take the tears out and replace them with the godly in the halls of power. And we need to believe God for that. That this would manifest in our midst the fall of Babylon. You know, I would settle just for Babylon falling here in Britain. I'm not really bothered about anybody else, but it would be nice to see. But it's Britain that's on map. And I watch this though. For thy merchants. And merchants means, it, it means tycoons, it means, it means men of immense wealth, not, you know, just, oh, he, he owns a few businesses. This is talking about the great merchants of the earth, the Bill Gates and the Zuckerbergs, and the, the chap, is it Brazos, his name, that owns Amazon. Oh, this is talking about people with a global reach and they work in concert. And yes, there's a they're conspiring. Thy merchants, thy tycoons, thy billionaires, these men of immense wealth and power and influence, so much so that they control governments and have prime ministers and politicians in their pocket and their puppeteers. They were the great men of the earth. And this next phrase... For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. By thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Now, does that mean that these merchants, these billionaires, that they're secretly occultists and they practice the black arts and they're Satanists? Some of them, I think it refers to that, yes. They've done a pact with the devil to get their money and their power. Possibly, probably. But that word sorceries in the Greek is the Greek word pharmakia. From which we get our English word pharmacy or pharmaceutical. And it means the dispensing of drugs. Or to put it in one word, medication. For by thy medication were all nations deceived. Let's just call a spade a For by thy vaccinations were all nations deceived. The vaccine is a deception, I believe. Even if it's not the full-fledged thing that it will become. But if it is, and, but if it isn't, whether it is or it isn't, it's a deception. 
because the purpose of the enemy is to destroy the seed of God, the royal seed, the British people, and American people, and Canadian people, and the Israelite people, because he hates that seed. And if you look at history, cosmic history, ancient history, uh, post-biblical history, present day politics, world stage, you name it. It's all about that battle that was spoken of in Genesis chapter 3. The seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And the serpent wants to bring in a hybrid seed as he did in the days of, God, the days of Noah, which is why God had to flood the, the known earth at that time to destroy the Nephilim because hybrids cannot be redeemed their DNA is so altered that they're no longer human they're transhuman and transhumanism is the big thing right now and the vaccine is supposed to take us all there they're not going to tell you that obviously although they don't hide it in some places and it's all over the internet so, oh, YouTube videos well, Let's just put it this way, as I've said to some people, and, and I'm not going down the futurist road here of, you know, futurism. And, and you know, if you're a historicist, then you're not seeing the mark of the beast as, as a present thing, and you've maybe seen it as a, as a historical, a papal thing from way back. And of course, uh, other eschatological camps would say, well, the mark of the beast was in Roman times. But my, this is my position on this. If it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, and walks like a duck, sounds, you know, if there's 1% of doubt that you have that this vaccine is antichrist in origin and antichrist in intent, and as part of this cosmic battle for Satan to try and mar, destroy, wipe out God's seed in the earth. And that's not just physical seed, but it's also spiritual seed. Suppress and oppress the people of God, the Christian church. If there's 1% of doubt in your mind that this vaccine could be that, you have no business taking it. And you know, we, we even encountered folks, friends and so on, that have said they're going to take it. It's, it's grieved us. But I believe this vaccine is part of that. And I believe it's all about this. And that, what's that going to do with Scotland? Everything. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that the first place that the vaccine would be rolled out would be Israel, Britain? And boy, did they, are they pushing it. And boy, were they bursting a gut to get it into, get it to us and into us. And you, you look at all of that, and I, I don't want to get into it and our time's running out. I just want to say this. When we talk about our heritage, we're always talking about seed. We're always talking about being God's seeded people. The Abraham. Abraham longed for a son, and God said, I will multiply thy seed. And he's made the promise to Isaac to Jacob. 
to the fathers. And then this wonderful introduction of the, the house of David, of this, this man, this king, who so touched God's heart that God gave him a revelation of Jesus at the right hand of Father God a thousand years before Jesus walked here. He said, Yahweh, the Lord, Father you know, God, said unto my Lord at his right hand, David saw the Lord, Jesus. Didn't have a full understanding, a full revelation, but he said, the one at God's right hand is my Lord. So God gave David the power of the ages to come. He gave him that revelation of new covenant relationship. And many of the things that David did uh, were, were very much of a new covenant relationship with God. God's heart of love for David is evident. And you know, Saul was called to be king of all Israel. Saul messed up and God said, rejected. But when he called David to be king, he said that he would store up mercies for him. Isn't that wonderful? Because he knew that David and his said we've had bad kings in the Davidic line, haven't But he said, and, and you know, things, there'll be declension, things will go down, but, uh, but the sure mercies of David are that God has a storage of mercies for David and his descendants. And oh boy, do we need those mercies today as we prayed for our anointed sovereign. For she who alone is anointed to rule. All the rest are elected or appointed. But God has an anointed one. And we need to continue to pray for her. Zechariah speaks about in the last days there will be a fountain of cleansing opened for the house of David. We need that in our royal house. And we need to continue to pray for that. We also need to continue to pray, brothers and sisters, that these nefarious, wicked, antichrist designs, plots, conspiracies concerning this deception that may very well, and I don't, want it, I don't know about you, I'm not taking the chance, People say, oh, that's rubbish, that's conspiracy theory. Maybe, but if there's 1% of them, I will not be taking something that will alter my DNA or my genetics or my humanity, if you like, my Adamic uh, ancestry. And that battle is with us and upon us today. And, you know, when I spoke a few months ago, but that dimension wasn't really as apparent, clear as it is now. We have a choice tonight to be marked as God's people or take the chance of being marked by the beast system. And speaking about John McPhee, that was the great prophetic message he brought. There will come a time in the British Isles, and indeed the nations, but particularly the British Isles, when men will have to make that choice. Are they for the house of David and the throne of David in the earth? God's purpose instrument of dominion. Or are they for the beast system? And of course that comes from, from Babylon. We are faced with that choice tonight. It's a stark choice. I just pray that each one of us chooses the right, uh, makes the right decision. The Lord bless you.
right? 